This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show. How much more dishonest can the media be before even the people who like to watch them, even the people who are on their side have to say, yeah, okay. I mean, they are propagandists. They're just our propagandists. I ask myself that question sometimes. I mean, CNN is not a news organization. The New York Times is not an objective news organization. I mean, these major legacy institutions are frauds, as we all know, because they pretend to be something they're not. If they would just say it, if they would just come out and tell people we are the organs of the Democrat Party, I'd have still a lot of debate to have with them, but I, I wouldn't call them frauds. I just say they were deeply wrong and and not nearly as smart as they think they are. But no, they can they continue with the lies. And this is why we have to talk about the officer Sicknick story. You might have seen yesterday that they just announced after how many months they just announced that Officer Sicknick died of natural causes. And this is an, an enormously important data point because of what they've been saying for months now and what the whole narrative of the January 6th insurrection to overthrow the government had to lock people out of social media, had to lock people up in cells, a number, dozens of them, as though they were they were traitors who were about to overthrow the government. We'll get to all of that in a moment. But uh, I'm concerned, very concerned about the trajectory of this country right now. But, you know, history intrigues me. And gold has been a measure of wealth throughout history with good reason. Gold has never been worth zero. And guess what? You can have real gold and silver as part of your wealth now, either in your retirement accounts or delivered securely to your home by working with the Oxford Gold Group. This is the industry leader in precious metals and the only gold and silver company I trust. Oxford Gold Group will beat any competitor's price on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. If you want to get financial stability, you need to look into acquiring real gold and silver with the Oxford Gold Group. Call Oxford today at 833-600-GOLD. Don't gamble with your hard-earned money. Put your money into something solid, safe, and secure. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833 833- 600 gold and get your free investment guide right now that's 833 600 gold anybody who tells you that it takes over three months to determine after an autopsy has already been conducted that a person died from a stroke anyone who tells you it takes that long is either an idiot or a liar the information that has come out now that Officer Brian Sicknick, Capitol Police officer, died of natural causes, died without any bruising, without any contusions, nothing, not a scratch on his body. He died of a stroke. It is sad. He was a good man. He was serving his country. He was serving his city. But he didn't die because of a mob assault. This is really important. And this information was hidden from you. They didn't want you to know about this. Now, why is that? Why is it that Capitol Police, which is exempt from FOIA, thanks to Congress, why is it the Capitol Police was willing to hold this information down as long as they did? They've known. Oh, they had to check and see. Check and see what? They had to do further investigation to figure out if a, an, a, uh, a stroke is really a stroke. I mean, it makes no sense. There's no reason for the delay except 
They knew they needed to have a body that they could point to and say, see, it's the fault of the Trump supporters, because otherwise all they had was a small unarmed woman shot in the neck for the crime of riot and trespassing. And when you start to look at these uh, at, at what's about to happen in this country, let's all remember riot is something the Democrats will even justify destruction of property, rioting, all these things. Yes, I understand. They'll say, oh, a CVS is not the Capitol building. What about a federal courthouse? What about a police station? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The, the Capitol is so much more sacred than a federal courthouse, which we know the Antifa lunatics have tried numerous times to burn down in Portland. Why, why are riots com- not just unacceptable on the right, and they are, but unacceptable and punished to the fullest extent of the law? Meanwhile, riots on the left are treated like some kind of worthy activism. You know, collateral damage, sure, that'll happen. But to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. That seems to be the attitude. It is the attitude of Democrats and the left around this issue. And that's why what you see with the Officer Sicknick update here just goes to show you how unbelievably reckless, dishonest, and disgusting the Democrat corporate media is. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, they actually put in, not only did they put in the details about beaten to death with a fire extinguisher, this is repeated all the time. And I sit here and I have to apologize to you because I believe the initial reports based upon the fact that every major news organization in the country reported them. I wasn't there and I can usually smell the BS. I can usually, you know, see the lies as they come out. But this is just so egregious. They've gone even beyond my expectations. So I say to you, I'm, I'm sorry that I believed that even on the most fundamental of facts, we could we could take a national a national corporate Democrat media at its word. Now, now, you know that when the stakes are high enough, they're not going to lie about everything. They're not going to lie to you about the weather. They're not going to lie to you about, you know, the best, uh, you know, grilled chicken pie recipe or something. They're going to lie to you about things that matter like this when it's important to the narrative and their power and their worldview. And now they've proven they will lie about anything. They will just lie about absolutely anything. There's nothing that you can say, oh, I don't need to fact check that. If you have any kind of a, an inclination that something is something's up, got to chase it down. So I always tell you, I, I will I will admit any mistakes on the show. And I tell you that I, I am sorry that I at the beginning. Now, I've been reporting for weeks or talking for weeks here on the show about how clearly something's up. And clearly they uh, you know, he, he wasn't actually killed. Otherwise, he would know all the details and he wasn't killed by a, a marauding rioting Trump supporter mob. Um, but just the fact that I even believe in the very beginning and and assume that 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 they how could they lie about that? I mean, it's hard to believe they did. They did. I know a lot of you are are nodding your heads up and down. Yup, Buck. Never give them never even give them the most baseline of credit. Why would I give them credit on something? Or why would I give them you know the credit needed to believe something like this? Because even in Pravda, even Soviet propaganda, there has to be 
some foundation of truth to pile the law, the lies atop. But what we see here is, no, they'll actually lie about the foundation as well if it if it's really necessary for them, even on one of the most key details, one of the most black and white details imaginable. They'll just lie about it. Yeah. And then the government will help cover it up. Remember, this is a Biden administration. Capitol Police had a, a real black eye over uh, what happened. Pardon the expression. What happened on the on, during the riot? But they were particularly they looked unprepared. They looked. Uh, not not in any way ready to deal with the crowd control situation they had. But here's what the removal of Brian Sicknick, Capitol Hill officer Brian Sicknick from this equation as a casualty of the Trump rioters, the Trump backers at that riot. Here's what that does. The only person who was killed was a Trump supporter shot in the neck, Ashley Babbitt, the only one. Everyone else who died died of a heart attack or, you know, people got overexcited or whatever. No, no. So now what really happened on January 6th? It was a riot. It was an unruly crowd that broke into the Capitol and ran around like a bunch of idiots. And they trespassed and they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have uh, they shouldn't have destroyed property. And, you know, I believe in the law. I believe we have laws for a reason. So nothing. None of that is excused at all but they're locking them up like they were agents of osama bin laden trying to overthrow the united to truly overthrow the united states government think about what they've done here i mean they got a guy running around in a raccoon skin hat with face paint on and a spear as his weapon and he's the great terrifying leader of the insurrection they say yes the democrat media the frauds the phonies the hysterics they say, yeah, that's right. He was going to he was going to overthrow the United States government. It was an insurrection. The insurrectionists. They throw this around as a slur against all Trump voters. Never mind anybody who was actually even at the protest that day who didn't take part in the riot. They're, of course, considered part of the white supremacist insurrection. Lies. They were lying to you, friends, about Officer Sicknick because they were lying to you about this being a lethal force usage to overthrow the government. That's not true. And it really matters right now because what you're about to see is likely a whole lot of violence, a whole lot of destruction and rioting by Biden voters in Minneapolis and probably in cities across the country. Depends. We don't know yet, but that's what you're going to see And Democrats aren't going to want to lock people up for decades, even if they do attack government facilities, federal buildings, even if they engage in arson and assaults on police officers. No, they're going to say this is what happens when people are angry. They'll excuse it. They'll explain it away. This is a reminder to all of us that the left in this country is kicking at the load-bearing walls of our civilization. You've heard me say it, and it is more true now than ever. There is no foundational principle. There is no unifying goal for them. With us, all that matters to them is power. And the recklessness and the dishonesty and the viciousness that will accompany whatever riots happen in the days ahead will be just a reminder of who and what we are up against. 
and the fact that the corporate media, which is just an extension of the DNC now, could spend months waving around the bloody shirt, so to speak, of Officer Sicknick in order to create a perception that there was a true insurrection, a violent coup to overthrow the United States government. The people who said that are liars. They are either out of their minds or they are the most vicious deceivers you could possibly find. And they're all across the top of the United States government. They are elected Democrats in office. They are multimillionaire TV news anchors and whole broadcast stations and newspapers. And they are hurting this country with what is what is now just more clear than ever is an effort to destroy the political opposition that they hate so much through lies and the force of the state. We either fight against this or we cede the country to people who excuse riots when it suits them and who lie about riots to make them seem much worse when it benefits them. Does the other side, does the left, do do the Democrats have any actual respect for our system? Now, Now, you have to remember that for four years under the Trump administration, when they were not at the levers of power, we were constantly told that Trump, it was Trump who disrespected the levers of power. It, it was Trump who was undermining institutions. But now what we've seen just a few months into the Biden presidency is that the people who were calling Trump a fascist, the loudest and the most often for four years, are the actual fascists. They're the people who don't want to respect individual constitutional rights. They don't want to respect government traditions or rules. They don't want to respect the law when it doesn't suit them. Exactly as we all anticipated, but it is noteworthy. It is critical to see this for what it is nonetheless. Who respects our system now? We have a trial going on. There has been a presentation of evidence. You've seen a, you know, a, a legal team make the full case that Officer Derek Chauvin, they, they've thrown three different counts at him. They overcharged him. No question, okay? They overcharged him. I mean, to, to throw a, a murder to a, a felony murder charge at Chauvin is just madness trying to mollify the mob. That's all that is. But he may still, he, they may go after him on all, that the jury may come back and find that he is guilty on all counts and the country will have to deal with the consequences one way or the other. But isn't it fair to ask that the people that are entrusted with government power act more responsibly? Isn't it fair to ask that the people who are supposed to be the paladins, if you will, the, the, the great protectors of our system, that they take this time to, if, if they can't say anything constructive, just shut up No. That's not going to happen. Here is uh, here is Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey. I mean, this guy is is just a uh, a perfect approximation of the contemporary Democrat liberal male. A bunch of miserable betas who have absolutely no no purpose other than shaming other people for not wearing masks or for not being woke enough or I mean I, I just can't I can't imagine and I, I ask actually all, all of the the women listening to the show now across the country 
I, I don't understand how, how a female could in any way find a liberal Democrat American male appealing, but obviously it's half the country. So, you know, it is half the country are Democrats and half of that are, are, are dudes. Uh, but the the American, the, the white male American liberal is a particularly sad uh, archetype. And here is a perfect a perfect example of that. Mayor Jacob Frey. Here's what he says. Play two. As we await the verdict, there are several inescapable truths over this last year. Our Twin Cities have experienced a barrage of trauma, all culminating with this trial and then the verdict. There's been pain and anguish, anger and frustration that is undoubtedly acutely felt by our black and brown communities. Regardless of the outcome of this trial, regardless of the decision made by the jury, there is one true reality, which is that George Floyd was killed at the hands of police. So what does that mean, Mayor Frey? We all we all know that that George Floyd died in in police custody. The question is, were they was Derek Chauvin morally culpable and legally culpable for that death? That's that's the question. But the way that Frey lines it up here, like a little like the little quizzling, like the little coward he is. It's well, the only thing we, we know that he died at the hands of police. Uh, look at this, the. The sleight of hand, if you will, the usage of language here to indicate that that's all that matters. No, that isn't all that matters. People die at the hands of police in this country, and it is entirely justified. People die at the hands of police in this country, and it's entirely an accident. People also can die, as we know, uh, as a result of police action in a way that is immoral and illegal. What matters here, the reason for the trial is to find out which of those categories this falls into number two or number three people view this as an opportunity not to try to bring some not justice temperance uh dignity calm to the situation no 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 this is an opportunity for personal brand enhancement and whatever that means for the individuals i notice uh, how uh jacob frey talks about the damage done to black and brown communities in Minneapolis. What is really more damaging to those communities over the past 12 months? An incident with one person involving law enforcement or the destruction of dozens of businesses, the burning down of an entire police station, the the massive spike in crime, the uh, increase in homicides and rapes and assaults and thefts that have all occurred because law enforcement is no longer backed up. They defunded police partially in Minneapolis. What's actually more damaging to those communities? You have to ask that question. You have to find yourself wondering how anybody couldn't see it. But there are people, as I've said, who view this really entirely as a, as a chance to make it uh, about them, about how they stand for justice and about how they care so much Um about the situation, but they're saying things that are going to make it worse for everyone. They're saying things that are going to just add fuel to the fire. The Reverend Al Sharpton, the Reverend Al Sharpton, of course. He was uh, photographed yesterday walking to his private jet to fly to Minneapolis, Minneapolis, 
just in time for the trial. It's really a perfect summation of the the grifting identity politics mentality. It really is is a perfect moment in time to encapsulate how people like Sharpton benefit themselves, pretending to care about uh, about minority communities in a way that will help them. And really, he just shows up and just takes. He just he hurt. He harms and he takes. So much so that he's flying around in a private jet. Yeah. Al Sharpton, huh? This guy is so disgraced for anybody who knows even the least of of Sharpton's history. Yet here he is. I really hope that the madness we may be seeing here soon on the streets and, and all this. I, I hope that it first of all, it doesn't happen, but it, also the you know economic impacts of this can be really severe. And you look at uh, you know, what's going to happen in some of these cities anyway. It, it it upsets me. But I'm also hopeful that we're going to have a, a growing economy despite the Biden administration and, and that things are going to get better this year economically. And, and I want to do everything I can to help people get their small businesses uh, either back up on their feet or growing and expanding as quickly as possible. And a, a absolutely critical tool for you in that is Bambi. Here's why. When running a business, HR issues can kill you. I mean, you've got wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, and labor regulations, right? Plus, you know that HR manager salaries aren't cheap at all. You're talking about an average of $70,000 a year. That's the national average. This is why you need Bambi for your small business. B-A-M-B-E-E. You get a dedicated HR manager who will craft your HR policy, maintain compliance for you, and all this is done for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. They can handle everything from onboarding to terminations, and they'll customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day. So for all the small business owners listening to this or people working at small businesses that are looking to get some help to cover all HR needs, but to do it in a really cost-effective way, $100 a month, you know, you can either have a person you're paying a lot of money to as a salary, or you can actually run this much more efficiently and at a tiny fraction of the cost with Bambi. Go to Bambi.com slash buck right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. Bambi.com slash buck. Maxine Waters talked about how yesterday this member of Congress told the protesters out on the streets, get on the streets, stay in the streets, be more confrontational. That's that's her advice. Really, uh, as I said, another another arsonist standing there with some cans of fuel with a look of glee. But she's saying, yeah, that's right. Be more confrontational, as, as if that's what anyone needs to hear right now, who's already out on the streets in Minneapolis enraged about this situation well the trial judge peter cahill is aware of these comments and at, and at the the close of the case before it was handed over to the jury for deliberations which started yesterday here is what the judge said about maxine waters and 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 it's just remarkable play one yeah you can supplement the record with whatever media reports i'm aware of the media reports 
I'm aware that Congresswoman Waters was talking specifically about this trial and about the unacceptability of uh, anything less than a murder conviction and talk about being confrontational, but you can submit the press articles about that. This goes back to what I've been saying from the beginning. I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch and our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution to respect a co-equal branch of government. Their failure to do so, I think, is abhorrent, but I don't think it has prejudiced us with additional uh, material that would prejudice this jury. They have been told not to watch the news. I trust they are following those instructions and that there is not in any way uh, a prejudice to the defendant beyond the articles that we're talking specifically about the facts of this case. A congresswoman's opinion really doesn't matter a whole lot. Anyway, so motion for mistrial is denied. Now, he said there may be. They asked for a mistrial. They didn't give it, obviously. I mean, that judge, could you imagine? You're the judge who declares a mistrial in this case. Never, never going to be allowed uh, another night's peaceful sleep. Never going to be allowed ever again to have that. They will hound you into, into forever. They'll never leave you alone. Um, but he did say that this could be the, the basis for an appeal. So... You may have had uh, you may have had Congresswoman Waters help Chauvin, assuming it, 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 I shouldn't assume. But if he is convicted, uh, you will have the possibility of, of a of an appeal just based on all the outside pressure. And I have to say, I think this has been mishandled in many ways from the beginning. The trial should have been moved. The jury should have been sequestered. This is obvious, but it wasn't done. And it's because I believe the politics of this are so uh, intense and so important, particularly for the Democrat Party, that common sense and good judgment and the system itself have largely been abandoned uh, on things like getting a fair trial. Right. There's a trial, but you really think you're getting a fair trial with the jury pool in Minneapolis in the city of Minneapolis? There have already been threats against jurors. There, there are already people that are trying to dox them and put stuff out there. This is coercion. And the coercion is only happening on one side, and it's to get a guilty verdict against Derek Chauvin. You'll notice that, that there's no one, no one on the Chauvin side reaching out trying to terrify jurors into a not guilty verdict. That's not what's happening. You know, the whole country waits to see what one trial of one officer and one incident means and and the aftermath of it, of course. Uh, I'm sorry to say that we've we've reached this phase where our expectations are are so very low as a nation that when there's an incident like this, when a black man is killed by a white police officer, we have to we have to all collectively hold our breath for the possibility of riots. Riots may come uh, to a, a neighborhood near you, maybe to your neighborhood, as happened to me last June. You know, there was now that was more Antifa, but it's Antifa acting on behalf of BLM or in solidarity with them. So it's tough to separate all of these things. But the Democrat Party has largely embraced this kind of violence, this intimidation. I mean, this is is co- meant to be coercive. 
You do what we say. You get the verdict that the left wants or else buildings will burn. That's now reality in this country. And even Democrats all the way at the very top. I mean, Joe Biden called George Floyd's brother. I mean, they're all they're all so involved in this. It's all very clear what the Democrats are demanding here. Who they're I'm talking about in elected office. They're not just letting this trial play out. Oh, remember, you know, Trump is interfering. Trump is Trump is, you know, he's interfering in a, in a uh, judicial process because he said he's I remember they were trying to claim that he said he wasn't guilty of Russia collusion or something. And that in itself is interference. I mean, the whole thing was just nuts. You know, but we see this is a recurring theme with Democrats. Obama said uh, that if he had a son, he would look like Trayvon. Remember when the Trayvon Martin case was what the whole nation was fixated on and journalists, including uh, th- that incident down in Florida, I think it was for ABC News, a journalist changed the actual audio to make it sound worse for George Zimmerman. And as we knew all along, if George Zimmerman's name was different as somebody who is would be visually considered Hispanic, right? Is uh, half Hispanic. But if, if his name was, you know, George Dominguez or George Lopez or something, it wouldn't have really fit in it. But his name was George Zimmerman. He wasn't a cop, as you know, he was just somebody in the neighborhood thought of himself as sort of a neighborhood watch type. And he got into a fight with an 18 year old, 180 pound kid who they kept showing photos of as a 12 year old. Remember that? Well, you'd always see these photos of Trayvon Martin when he was 12. And you'd say, I mean, literally when he was 12, and you'd say, wow, George Zimmerman attacked this? That's so crazy. And then you'd actually see occasionally in conservative media that, no, Trayvon Martin was a large, strong adult male, and he got into a fist fight with George Zimmerman and smashed his head into the sidewalk, and Zimmerman happened to have a handgun on him and shot him. But the whole thing, this was this was a story of racism. Remember the hoodies and all the NBA players with the hoodies on. And what what was the lesson here exactly? I'm I'm supposed to feel so I'm I'm supposed to feel bad about this country. I'm supposed to somehow share in the guilt of George Zimmerman, the white Hispanic, as the media called him. That was a new one, right? So you know, a a Hispanic guy fights with a, a a black guy and one of them gets shot. But because of the, the media narrative about a hoodie and the, you know, the whole thing, it, it was some kind of a, like a referendum on American race relations or something. the whole thing was, what are they even talking about? Yeah, it was an incident that should have been investigated. And if there were criminal charges, you know, and, and the, the criminal aspect of it should have been you know, looked into, but they didn't bring any charges against him, as you remember. But that was a, that was a national fixation for a while. Obama himself, remember, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon weighing in on this. Okay. And then there was uh, there was also the um, Mike Brown case, which began the Black Lives Matter movement. And I, I'm sorry, I think it is really relevant as we see what's happening here. It's really relevant that BLM is a movement that is quite quite clearly founded on a lie. That Mike Brown was killed with his hands up, you know, d- hoping not to be shot by uh, by a police officer. And that's not what happened. According to the Obama Justice Department and Eric Holder investigation with multiple eyewitnesses. And when you think about this, why would how would that make any sense exactly? 
How would it make sense that that a law enforcement officer in broad daylight would just decide, you know what, today's the day that I want to kill some guy and ruin the rest of my life for by taking his life uh, just because I feel like I mean, this this notion that people uh, in law enforcement all of a sudden, you know, not I'm not talking about accidents. I'm not talking about escalation of force situations where this notion that they just uh, they, they just decide today's the day I'm going to execute somebody is I'm not saying anything is possible, but it is so remote as a, as a statistical reality. It's so rare. And when you see the the Democrat perception on this, this has actually come out recently. If you, you ask Democrats, there was a poll done, you know, how many unarmed black men were killed by police in uh, in 2019? And I've seen different numbers of this, depending on how. But they're all pretty close to each other. Democrats think the number is like a thousand. Because they keep hearing it's systemic, it's systemic, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing that's happening all the time. It keeps happening. That's the that's one of the phrases It keeps happening. And again, it's a little bit like saying uh, lightning strikes, lightning strikes keep happening. That is true. But we don't spend a lot of time thinking about the threat to us as individuals from lightning strikes. And you are, in fact, uh, more likely in this country to be killed, I'm sorry, to be killed by lightning than you are to be killed by uh, to be a, a black unarmed person killed by police. Just statistics, facts, numbers, data is supposed to matter. But in 2019, the number that the Democrats tend to think the number was or a large portion of Democrats think the number was more like a thousand. It was 13. It's 13 people in the United States. We're, we're a country of 330 million people, and there are tens of thousands of homicides every year. 13 unarmed black men were killed by police. It is a it is an urgent matter of, of an urgent matter that that requires Political violence and rioting. Uh, oh, really? Not not investigation, not, you know, make sure, OK, we're going to look into this and see. And if there was an unjust use of force, no, that's not enough. Rioting. OK, I think Ted Cruz is on to why this happens. Play four. And I, I think that the House, of course, they should censure Maxine Waters. She does this over and over again. She was on the streets encouraging protesters in Minneapolis to engage in violence, to, to engage in riots. Uh, listen, in Minneapolis and all across the country, uh, shop owners, cities are preparing for violent riots. And there are Democrats like Maxine Waters who are encouraging. They want to see more stores looted. They want to see more police cars firebombed. They want to see the violence because they think it serves their political ends. And, and the dirty little secret is, as bad as Maxine Waters' comments were, they're not an outlier in the Democratic Party. You have Democrats encouraging this violence. For example, the last time we had riots all across the country, Kamala Harris raised money for the bail to bail out the violent protesters mm -hmm. who were committing these acts of violence. And, and today's Democratic Party has decided that violence can benefit them politically. I think it's wrong. I think we should condemn violence from any political perspective, whether right wing, left wing or no wings at all. Violence is never acceptable and, and, and we ought to be keeping people safe. Ted Cruz gets it. He's absolutely, absolutely correct. And the Democratic Party is shameful. I mean, truly and utterly shameful. And I want you to remember that in the days ahead, given what we're likely to see. Is it possible to say something that is 
too stupid for the Democrat Party to back when it comes to policing? I wonder. I, I ask myself that question these days. Defund police, abolish ICE. These are some of the most absurd, idiotic political slogans in memory. And yet maybe they come and go, but the Democrats don't repudiate them. They, they don't want to suggest that the activists marching in the streets yelling about defunding police are a bunch of childish imbeciles who don't understand how law enforcement actually works, right? That Antifa and those groups that seek to undermine society, undermine law enforcement entirely, have nothing to replace it with and are therefore just a bunch of babyish lunatics. That's, that's never, there's no truth in the Democrat Party about this stuff. It's whatever appeals to the emotions of the mob. You know, Rashida Tlaib, congresswoman from Michigan, member of the squad, is one of those who says deeply moronic things about law enforcement on a regular basis. And Democrat Maxine Waters, uh, who, as we know, just weighed in on the Chauvin trial and may end up being part of any appeal should there be a guilty verdict. Here's what uh, Maxine Waters says about Rashida Tlaib calling for there to be no more policing in a tweet. Play 20. And so I can understand the disgust. Uh, I can understand uh, the feelings that so many have about we've got to get some justice in both of these cases. And so I know uh, that my colleague speaks her mind and she said what was in her heart. And I understand that very well. And I'm here today uh, because, number one, I want to show uh, that there are members of Congress who really care about what is happening uh, with these cases and whether or not we're going to get justice or whether or not the police unions and the lies that they tell are going to win. And so she spoke her mind, and I appreciate that, and I love her for it. I love her for it, she says, if Rashida Tlaib calling for no more policing. Do, do any of them care what this would actually mean for particularly high crime, but for all communities? Here's a fun little fact. Hat tip, my friend, Henry Rogers, the Daily Caller. Uh Maxine Waters requested police protection and a convoy when she landed in Minneapolis as a member of Congress. Oh, okay. So she gets to be protected by people with guns paid by the state, but you don't get to own guns. Oh, no, guns are bad. Not allowed to own guns legally as a citizen of this country. And also, you're not allowed to even have armed police to respond, maybe, when you get into trouble. You're on you're on your own. This is the future that they really want. Think about this. All you have to do is push them a little bit, push the Democrats, the activists, the leftist BLM squad, all of it. Push them into explaining what's supposed to happen here. And what they say to any reasonable person is just absurd. It's not that. They've got an idea. I've got an idea. Theirs has some merits. Mine has some merits. It's what they're saying is just flatly stupid and based in a perception of an alternate reality. Right. We, we, we cannot just get rid of all cops because there are a handful of use of force incidents in a country of 330 million people with millions and millions of law enforcement civilian interactions all, every year. We can't actually just shut down policing because occasionally something bad happens and it upsets some people, quite honestly, excessively. 
based on what the realities of law enforcement are in the country by the numbers. Got to be prepared these days. The economy Lord only knows what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months of this administration. And uh, it just feels like something could break at any moment here. And you're living in a very different world. And look what we just went through with COVID for, for now over a year. And you want to just take those steps today to make sure that you've done all you can to solidify things for yourself, for your family in the future. I'll never forget when I had my first conversation about, say, you know, life insurance and who I was going to leave anything behind to it was the first time I deployed to Iraq with the CIA. And these are conversations that come up and you say, wow, I never thought in my 20s I'd have to think about that. Well, now I'm in my 30s. Let me tell you, it's same thing. Got to take the actions now to get ahead and to prepare for the future. A lot of you are starting out buying a home, having babies, building wealth. Well, be sure to add securing your family's future to your to-do list by establishing a will or trust. You can do this at trustandwill.com. That's the website I want you to go to, trustandwill.com slash buck, okay? Trustandwill.com slash buck. Here's, here's what they do for you. You go to the site. It's so straightforward. You can set up a trust, a will, set up a guardianship, and it's all very easy. The interface is so clear and straightforward. It's going to save you so much money to do it this way. I mean, you could pay an attorney. And they'll use some one-size-fits-all template that's not specialized for your needs. might cost you thousands of dollars. But Trust and Will has customer support live seven days a week, and their team's available to answer any questions. I've gone on the side. I've done this myself. It's so straightforward. So don't wait. Take action now. This is really important, okay? Do this when you need to do it, which is before you know you have to do it. All right? You'll get 10% off. We'll get you a deal. 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash buck. They'll ship you your official documents. That's what the shipping is for. Trustandwill.com slash buck. Set up your trust or your will today. What does law enforcement think of what the Democrats are saying about situations like this? I mentioned to you that Rashida Tlaib called for the end of policing, and you have other people that are running around saying that we need to abolish police and all of the all of the absurdity that we're constantly exposed to from the left around law enforcement issues. Well, Rashida Tlaib is is not particularly uh, well liked. I can tell you that much based on what we hear from Detroit's uh, police chief, James Craig. He's an African-American police chief for the city of Detroit. Here's what what he said about Democratic Representative Tlaib possibly resigning after she called for the abolition of police departments. Here's what a big city police chief who's actually got responsibility for keeping people safe and protecting lives in a high crime, high crime urban landscape. Unfortunately, here's what he says about this member of Congress. Play clip three. Chief, I've known you a little while now. You're, you're upset with these comments. What should happen to Rashida right. Tlaib? You know what? If I had made comments on par with her, They'd be calling for my resignation. Should, now, we, should Rashida Tlaib resign? By a very small margin. Well, I'm sorry, I'd love to see her resign. I'd throw a goodbye party. I'd, open, I'd have the party, Charlie. I'd throw a party. Let her go. Who is she speaking for, Charlie? Let me just say this. When you talk about abolishing police, incarceration, you talk about safe cities, what, what do you think the residents in Detroit want? I know. I speak with them. 
They're reckless, Charlie. So is she truly representing uh, the people or is she representing a fringe group? Police chief knows she is representing a fringe group. I can't say it enough here because you're not hearing this elsewhere in the media. 2020 was the worst year for violent crime in America in over 20 years. It's not because of the pandemic, folks. That doesn't make any sense. Fewer people interacting, fewer people, you know, in public places. Sorry, that that doesn't add up. It's police pulling back from their jobs because they're no longer backed up because of the madness of Democrat defund the police narratives. That's why you have more you have more people dead, more people brutally attacked, raped, robbed, home invasions, carjackings, more of all of that across the nation. Thanks to the narrative of BLM pushed by the Democrat Party and the corporate media, that is what happened. They don't take any responsibility for it. They don't they don't care because it was a for them. They view it as a good base turnout issue. Gives them a sense of righteousness, right? The godless Democrat Party gets to just pose as the great civil rights heroes of our current era because they want to get rid of all cops. It's it's hard to really think that anybody who believes is a good idea. It's hard to think that they understand anything about this. We're going to because what ends up happening is when you really push, when you push on whether it's Rashida Tlaib or Maxine Waters or anyone else who says defund the police and say, what exactly is it you'd like to see happen? Then they start spouting some nonsense. Oh, well, when we say defund the police, you know, we want to do something else. This happened to AOC, too, over the abolish ICE fiasco in 2018, 2019. That was the thing that got you a lot of social media likes. Remember, only 20 percent of the country's on Twitter and something like two percent is really active on Twitter. So you really have, let's call it, I don't know, you got. Six, seven, eight million people who are really on Twitter a lot and then everyone else is just living their lives. Uh, but Twitter is used as as especially by the people who are very politically active, used as a as a kind of litmus test and also a means of assessing where the base is. But it got a lot of a lot of likes to write on Twitter about abolish ice. And then what happened was people started, you know, the the credulous rubes over at CNN were, well, Ms. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you're a member of Congress and you'd like to abolish ice. So what do you want? What will we replace it with? And then then it, everyone got kind of silenced. It was like, well, we're going to come up with another federal body that's not immigrations and customs enforcement that will do the job of immigration and customs enforcement. OK, uh, what are we going to call it? Dice, Democrat immigrations and customs enforcement. What, what, what difference does it make? You're going to have a federal agency which is going to be imperfect and, and a slothful bureaucracy. But it's going to be tasked with the same mission. You're going to have a lot of the same problems at the border. So what would it even accomplish? Nothing. But it's just it's just about how it feels to say this stuff. It's just about how much attention you could get from screaming about this. Doesn't matter how dumb it is. It does, you, know, you get a lot of unfortunately a lot of stupid people out there who listen to things like abolish ice. and They think, yeah, that's a good idea. Defund police. Oh, yeah. Sign me up for that. They ignore the polling, the very clear polling that shows all Americans 
want either the same or more police in their neighborhoods by clear majorities, including black Americans. Because my fellow Americans who are black want to be safe and secure and live with rule of law, just like everybody else. Right? This, this is not hard. When you view all people as people and when you get away from the identity politics and insanity, you can see this for exactly what it is. I mean, e- even in the highest crime communities in the country, whether they're talking about a predominantly minority community or not, you're less than less than one percent of people are committing the violent crimes. So ninety nine out of one hundred, more than ninety nine out of one hundred, whether we're talking about, you know, rough, uh, you know, rough parts of a major city or a, a suburb that's maybe got a crime problem. Ninety nine percent plus of the people there don't want any violence. I have no part of the violence and they want. So how do you how do you actually accomplish that with law enforcement's help? With law enforcement coming from within that community and standing watch on the wall, so to speak. That's it. There, we have there is no alternative. We have no alternative. If we had a society full of angels, well, you know, then maybe we could have a different conversation. But we don't. And we know we're not going to. And in the meantime, running this experiment to prove once again to the childish. Whiny. Democrats that their ideas about policing are stupid. People suffer. There are consequences that come from this. Here's the Detroit police chief, James Craig, again, about Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, play 17. You describe Tlaib's comments as reckless and disgusting. Why? Absolutely. They are reckless and disgusting, particularly in this time that we're in today. And Certainly, there's been a, an increased assault on the men and women who serve across this 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 country. Uh, as recent as just this early this morning, uh, unprovoked, an individual uh, came into a crime scene and began shooting at our officers. And so, while we can't definitively say those comments are the reason, but the anti-police rhetoric is just too much. I mean, even we we think about Representative Waters uh, when she makes statements get more confrontational. What does that mean? But as it relates directly uh, to Rashida Tlaib, uh, this is about her putting attention to herself. That's exactly what it's designed to do. It's not productive. She doesn't speak for the majority of Detroiters. The majority of Detroiters support this police department. They want effective and constitutional policing. And to make statements like uh, abolish policing, uh, abolish incarceration certainly is counterproductive. You notice how the, the CNN anchor there, uh, Berman, sets it up. Well, why would you say, you know, that it's reckless and stupid to say get rid of all the cops? As if that's not the most transparently stupid thing a politician has said in recent memory. Well, why would you say that Rashida Tlaib, she's a squad, and CNN, CNN viewers like to pretend that they're really hip and cool, so they support the squad. Yeah. Oh, geez, I don't understand. What, what, what do you mean? Maybe we can have another another lecture from from bonehead bro Cuomo about how until white people are shot by police too, nothing will change. Really one of the dumbest rants I've seen on television. It's so stupid and and just so destructive as well and really just so vile that it makes me wonder about the intelligence of any person who could have watched Cuomo go on that rant, not thinking this guy's a moron who spent too much time throwing dumbbells around when the dumbbells, the one on TV, really stupid stuff. 
I mean, could you imagine imagine what it would look like if he had to actually defend that in a debate? Oh, until white people are shot by cops, white people are shot by cops more than anybody else. Because we, yes, are a majority of the U.S. population still, but white people are are shot by police. There's no riots. And and, and if you look at the case of Daniel Shaver um, and Officer Brailsford, uh, you know, that that's a case that I, I looked at. And some of my friends, um, some of my friends on the right disagree with me on this. Back in 2016, Daniel Lee Shaver of Texas was shot by Officer Philip Brailsford in a La Quinta Inn and Suites in Mesa, Arizona. It was execution on body cam. I mean, that's what it looked like to me. They charged him. They charged Officer Brailsford with murder. Jury said no. I thought it was a horrible miscarriage of justice. Were there any riots? Were there any riots? I mean, it's tough to watch that video. If you type in, if you type in um, the Hill... Buck Sexton and Officer Brailsford, it'll come. The old piece I wrote will come up where I laid it all out for you. And it it was it was appalling. But as unjust as I thought it was, I didn't think that it was going to help anybody to encourage a mob to go steal a bunch of sneakers or loot a 7-Eleven. I didn't think that was going to help anybody. And I try to have some principles and decency, unlike the frauds at CNN and elsewhere. So I hold myself to some standards of conduct. I hold myself to have some obligation of responsibility here. They would not stand for it. And they're playing it down as much as they can play it down. It's a horrible situation. Could destroy our country. People are pouring in, but you'll see something as the months go by like you've never seen before. Already it's like you've never seen before. There's never been anything like what's happened at our border. And people are coming in by the tens of thousands. They're walking in. They, they, we had, all he had to do was leave it alone. The border is a total mess. You know it. I know it. Anybody paying attention knows it. And it's because of Biden and the Biden administration. They can try as much as they want to pin this on Trump, but we all understand that that's absurd. It's not Donald Trump's fault. In fact, Donald Trump had problems at the border that he inherited, and he solved them. He didn't just sit around saying, oh, but, you know, Obama did a very bad job, very... Okay, no, I gotta... Can I, am I allowed to do Trump, a Trump impression? I do it with love, like the same way I would do a uh, impression of a, of a family member or one of my brothers or something, you know? Look, probably the best impression. I, you know, come on, no? I know, I, I all across the country... Heads are shaking side to side, Buck. No Trump impersonations here. Okay, fine. Fine. Can I do oh can I do Biden? You know, how about we'll do Biden? You know, the border is the place. It's a line on a map. No joke. And on the one side of it is is um, America. And on the on the on the other side, there's another place. It escapes me right now, but it's a, it's a border, all right. Joe Biden, everybody, president of the United States. Uh, the, the, the fundamental issue that we keep returning to here, and, and it's important that you remember this because all the, all the media coverage is going to be filtered through this lens in order to assist the Democrats. They do not want illegal immigration to stop 
illegal immigration is a source of political power and votes for Democrats, especially with a looming amnesty with citizenship attached. Think about some of the states involved here, some of the states. You don't need that many votes, folks, to make sure that Biden wins reelection. In states like Georgia and Michigan and, you know, if you can get a couple, if you get 100,000 illegals here, 100,000 illegals there, and just I'm talking about different states, it's going to be millions overall across the country. That changes that changes the whole game. So they, they don't want this to stop. And the only way that we can begin to get it to stop is through the political pressure of Democrats in office realizing they're going to lose their jobs because the American people see what's going on and reject this nonsense, right? The only thing that can stop continued, uh, a continued massive wave of illegal immigration into this country is Democrats paying a price uh, at, at the polling place. That's it. There's nothing else that is going to get them, in my mind, to stop because what's their incentive? I mean, they've got AOC running around complaining that the Biden administration isn't permissive enough. You know, isn't humane enough? Why can't she make based on the based on the the argument that the left wing Democrat Party is making or the left wing within the Democrat Party, which often controls it, is making about our border? Why should anyone any child from any poor, corrupt, badly run country in the world should just be able to show up in America and say, take me in. I'm an American now. Now, people can argue that that is an argument that they can make. But what they shouldn't do, I mean, I think obviously that creates what effectively becomes the dissolution of the country over time uh, because you overwhelm assimilation and you no longer you can't even use the word assimilation anymore in the Biden administration. You work for the federal government. No more talk of assimilation. No more talk of illegal aliens. Not allowed. Undocumented, you know, nation of immigrants. The propaganda that you would have gotten used to reading on, uh, you know, Vox.com or something or HuffPo, these just liberal trash heaps online. Now, now that's the verbiage that's required by the actual federal government, by the Biden administration itself. Ask yourself this. Why won't the Democrats just make the case that anyone from a poor, corrupt country should be able to come here? Any particularly with a child, right? Why not just allow them to come to the United States? I, I'll make an argument about why that's a bad idea. They, they won't make that argument. They're, they're unwilling to make that argument because ultimately they don't like our immigration system. They don't like immigration laws. They want America to be just a, a complete free-for-all where the people who live here have no control over or say over how quickly... We expand our American family. We already take in a million immigrants a year in this country, legal immigrants. Should it be 10 million? Democrats pretend that they answer no to that, but really they'd be perfectly fine with it. And that's what you have to remember. And this is what I'll be looking into even more when I'm going to be down at the border this week. So I'll have a lot for you when I come back, I can assure you. With all the stuff going on these days, you got to take some time out for yourself, for your family and enjoy the more simple, straightforward things in life, right? I'm a carnivore, as you know. I absolutely love meat. And the best meat you're going to get anywhere is from Moink. 
In fact, my girlfriend just came back from the West Coast, and you know what the first thing I did for her was? I had a roast chicken dinner ready for her because I had a three-pound whole chicken from Moink. I defrosted it. It came right out of my freezer, defrosted it, and I made the best roast chicken of my life because it was such high-quality chicken. you got to start with great product when you're talking about whether it's pork, chicken, beef, you name it, and that's what Moink gives you. Grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pasteurized pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon. Pastured pork and chicken and wild-caught Alaskan salmon. Direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture, okay? All you have to do, go to this website right now. You're going to have the best salmon, steak, chicken, burgers, pork, bacon. Oh, my gosh, the Moink bacon is incredible. But I'm telling you, this roast chicken that I just made is the best roast chicken I've ever had in my life. And I cooked it myself. It's all so convenient. It gets sent to you in a box. Put it right in your freezer. And sign up at moinkbox.com slash buck. Join the Moink movement today. Just go to this website, moinkbox.com slash buck. And listeners to this show get free ground beef for a year. M-O-I-N-K box.com. That's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but it's only for a limited time. M-O-I-N-K box dot com slash buck. They'll send it to you. It's like protein Christmas. You'll get bacon, chicken, steak, turkey. It changes every month. They'll send you a new box. It's amazing. M-O-I-N-K box dot com slash buck. So we have the revelations about the cause of death. Natural causes, a stroke for Officer Brian Sicknick of Capitol Hill Police it was not, in fact, a mob that beat him to death on January 6th. We also have the Chauvin verdict and the possible riots to talk about here. Uh, we've got our friend John Cardillo with us once again, formerly of the NYPD. He's a conservative commentator, political analyst. John, always appreciate your time, man. Uh, oh, thanks, Buck. Let's let's just get to it with, with Sicknick. I mean, I, I know that we had... In conservative media, this that this had been talked about for a bit. I spoke about it on my show. I think you and I even talked about it in the past. And you know, Tucker Carlson was on his show. But now it's we we knew something was up. But now it's official. I mean, what what do you want? What do you tell people now as somebody who served or somebody who carried a badge and a gun? Now now we have Capitol Hill police officers uh, or Capitol Hill police rather not giving the public the information they should have about exactly what happened here? What do you make of it all? No, look, yeah, I think these are terrible, terrible optics, terrible crisis PR optics and public information optics for the Capitol Police Department. Now we find out that there's no trauma at Officer Sicknick. And look, it's a line of duty death because what they're reporting, he suffered two strokes that led to his death. It's still a line of duty death and, and his family will, will receive a pension and more than likely, uh, it'll be a, a pretty solid pension. His family will be taken care of. Could be a tax-free pension if there was a disability determined prior. And that's all a matter of public record because that's all paid with taxpayer money. And Look, his family should be taken care of he, if he died in the line of duty, even from natural causes. But that is a far cry from what they told us. I mean, Buck, millions upon millions of Americans believe that he was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher to death and a gruesome bludgeoning by Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol and were beating police officers. None of that is true. None of that is true. That on the heels of the cop who shot Ashley Babbitt in the neck 
name being protected. Now, I won't release the name that's being thrown around, but I've spoken to law enforcement sources, and they're telling me that what citizen journalists have discovered is accurate, that the Capitol Police officer that shot Ashley Babbitt is the same who uh, left his gun in a bathroom in the Capitol while kids were going on tours back in 2019. If true, and then they're not releasing the name, very problematic. When when government kills anyone, good guy, bad guy, indifferent, we should have all the details. And so this is a bad week for the Capitol Police in, in terms of public information, but an even worse week for the mainstream media who sold us the bludgeon with the fire extinguisher narrative. It's, it's just disgraceful. I mean, it seems to me like this is, there are some things that in good faith, and, and I, I will concede this, that occasionally this does happen, even with the corporate media, in good faith, you could get wrong, you know, let's say the early in those first hours after a mass shooting. Right. They'll, they'll say, oh, well, it was it was a an AR-15. Oh, actually, it was, you know, a, a pistol with a with a grip on it or something. Whatever that that happens. We all know that happens. Bludgeon to death with a fire extinguisher. And for that to be the primary narrative for months for for that to enter into the record of the impeachment against Donald Trump. I mean, to actually have made it into official government record in that way as well, where it was clearly being weaponized for political purposes. I mean, John, I, I just it, it feels to me like the, the media, it, it can't actually go any lower because they'll lie about anything. Yeah, but I also think it, it begs a much more important question, a much more troubling question, Buck, and that is were the Capitol Police either ordered to remain silent or were they complicit? And it kills me to do this as a former cop and to even suspect this, but were they complicit? in promoting the false narrative. Good law enforcement public information is all about releasing nothing until you have facts. Releasing nothing until you have facts. Sometimes they release nothing and it and it when they have all the facts, like the shooting of uh of Ashley Babbitt, they know who the uh the officer is obviously. Like when they when there is a mass casualty incident and they don't release the name because it's either a Muslim or a a black male or something that doesn't fit the narrative. So then they hold that information back. Whereas if it had been a white Christian Trump supporter, we'd not only know their name in five minutes, but we'd know if their great grandparents, you know, it worked for a guy whose cousin's boss's uncle's owned slaves 200 years prior. And, and so there, there, there's a tremendous amount of distrust. We expect it from the media. We don't expect it from federal law enforcement agencies. And, and, and the fact that the Capitol police knew this. They knew this. They knew that sick Nick was not bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. That was going to happen in the initial uh, crime scene exam, forensic exam, and, and autopsy. The fact that they allowed that to remain on the record during an impeachment of a former president of the United States, that begs some very chilling and troubling questions. And that's not hyperbole. It, it really concerns me. How could a member of, we're speaking to John Cardillo, former NYPD and conservative uh, host and commentator. Uh, John, it strikes me as it just seems hard to believe, but it is what happened that the Capitol Hill police would that there'd be silence on this. I guess everyone's just so afraid of their jobs and this Biden administration. And because you got to figure that there are some folks who are saying this is a lie and the public and, it, and it's a lie that's being used to, to shape public perception in ways that are meant to, to benefit the Democrat Party. You know, the, that the fact there wasn't a leak about this sooner where somebody would just come forward you know, find me, find Fox News, find somebody and say, hey, this is what really happened here. It's just what do you think's going on there? Oh, I, I, I think uh, Nancy Pelosi called the chief of the Capitol Police 
and told him exactly how things were going to go. Nancy Pelosi is an incredibly powerful woman in D.C. People know this. I call out Kevin McCarthy, the feckless GOP majority leader, night and day. And I do that because he's become Pelosi's doormat. He's absolutely terrified of her. And he's a sitting U.S. congressman, the chief of the Capitol PD, who's beholden to her for his job. One phone call from Nancy Pelosi and, and the chief is gone and anybody who replaces him is gone if they cross you know, Madam Pelosi, the, the dictator of the United States Congress. And I think Nancy Pelosi laid down the law, pure speculation on my part, but looking at it through a, a lens of experience with how this works. I think Nancy Pelosi made it very clear to the U.S. Capitol Police that she was going alongside some radical Democrats to set the narrative. And they were to sit there silently, shut their mouths and not contradict a word she said. It seems to be the only way because uh, there's just anyone who says that it takes three months to figure out that someone who had no bruises, contusions, or any trauma on their body whatsoever died of a stroke when the narrative is they died of being beaten to death is lying to you. I mean, it couldn't be any more obvious. This was withheld intentionally. Agreed. Yep, absolutely. But like you said, there's no other explanation. There aren't 15 explanations. The coroner knew, the medical examiner knew when he did that autopsy, when they examined the brain, they examined the cranial cavity. I've sat through autopsies in law enforcement. It's it's a detailed process, but it takes hours, not months. The medical examiner knew very quickly what killed Sicknick. He would have conveyed that to the chief of the Capitol PD. Pelosi would have been read in on that. They all knew. So there is no other reason. There is no other option. They purposefully concealed it. Speaking of John Cardillo, former NYPD officer, conservative commentator. And John, I just want to shift to your your feelings about the stuff that's being said now with with the Chauvin trial in the background and the George Floyd's death and everything. The stuff that's being said by prominent Democrats. I have to speak honestly about my my view on this, even though it's I would say it's kind of rude, but it's true. People are just sounding like morons on this. I mean, when, when yep. you have members of Congress that say defund police or even abolish police, no more policing, which was actually in the tweet that Rashida Tlaib said, this is like this is childish idiocy. You know, it's it's like someone who just thinks, well, you know, no one has to work and we'll all just have all the stuff we need because of like uh, the, you know, the magic, you know, the, the magic people that are going to make this stuff appear for us. It's just it's it's stupid beyond words. But this is m- becoming more mainstream among prominent Democrats. Oh, I, I think it's I think it's moronic and I think it's dangerous. Now, there's a story in, in the Daily Mail that Joe Biden, the president of the United States, called George George Floyd's brother when the jury was sent to deliberate. That is incredibly improper to do it, number one, and for the White House to leak it, because that's the president of the United States trying to put his finger on the scales of justice. The mayor of of Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, said, I hope the right verdict, uh, you know, George Floyd's death was killed by police. Joe Biden said, I hope the jury renders the right verdict. The president of the United States, who didn't sit in that courtroom, was supposed to be impartial. He's Chauvin's president as well, is saying there's a right verdict and a wrong verdict despite the evidence. This is dangerous. This is setting a chilling, two-tiered system of justice in this nation where Democratic politicians and the evidence be damned get to decide guilt or innocence in the court of public opinion. Even worse, they feel that should translate to actual courts of justice. This is something the founders are rolling in their graves over this. So is Antonin Scalia. 
Can you, John, give us a sense of of what when you know? Because I'll often talk about the the numbers that we've seen in in 2020 for homicides, assaults, rapes, home invasions, all all the really bad, serious crimes that that one can can keep track of. And they're just up in crazy numbers across the country. Uh, and it, and the spike started right around May of 2020, which we, we can call that a coincidence if we want. But that seems like quite a stretch to me. And and it was a I mean, the, it, it was a a clear year of losses for law and order. I put this yeah. on BLM, uh, but I want you as somebody who actually was with the NYPD and, and understands what it is to do this job day in and day out. Why did it in your in your estimation? Why did things get worse? Uh, h- how does BLM's narrative make it so that whether you're in Chicago or New Orleans or New York or L.A. or or Atlanta or wherever crime is going up? Well, it's, it's a pretty simple answer, Buck, in that those you named uh, cities that have appointed police chiefs and liberal, you know, Democratic administrations that are quote unquote woke and pretty radically far left. Right. You see less of the problem in more red areas with elected sheriffs. But let's talk about these cities that drive most of our crime stats. A Democrat mayor who tends to be a woke, radically far left man or woman, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Bill de Blasio in New York, et cetera. They appoint a police commissioner or in the case of Chicago, a superintendent, some cities call them chiefs, but they're all the top man or woman at those agencies. The mayor really runs the police department uh, to a large degree. It's very rare for a mayor not to. You know, as much as I hate to give credit to Michael Bloomberg for anything, I've got to give him credit there because when Ray Kelly was his commissioner, he didn't bother him. He let him run the department. That's very rare. And Kelly had a longstanding, decades-long good reputation. But anyway, they decide policy. So when they decide they're going to pander to the woke mob, when BLM comes to Chicago and Lori Lightfoot has to pander to them because they're, they represent her constituency, she hands down orders to the superintendent to be less aggressive. Don't you stop and frisk. Don't do directed patrol. In other words, don't sit pol- police cars, marked cars in certain areas for the presence to reduce crime. Don't engage in broken windows policing, you know, arresting for minor offenses. Now, they're no longer, you see this, they're decriminalizing minor things, right? Vandalism and, and, and minor drug offenses. But, Buck, we would close armed robbery warrants, homicide warrants, violent gang rape warrants by arresting people on those small offenses. And so this is exactly what happened in the United States from the 1970s to the early 1990s. Then Rudy Giuliani came in, other mayors followed his lead. He deployed the broken window strategy of, of enforcing low-level offenses, closing out the big ones. Crime fell off a cliff. We're back to the 1960s, 1970s now, and I, I really fear we're in for a bad decade or two if things don't change. John Cardillo, everybody. Follow him on uh, Twitter if you're not already. And uh, John Formerly the NYPD, always appreciate your law enforcement and political insights, my friend. We'll talk soon. Anytime, Buck. Thanks, bud. Well, I think early on, you know, I was just hungry for data. And so I was looking at South Korea, some Italy, and I'm trying to make sense of this virus. It seemed to me that this was something that was risky for elderly people. Yeah. Didn't seem like there was much risk in people, not just kids, but even people who were in reasonably good health who were, say, under 50. Um, but I didn't really have the proof of that in Florida. So when they did the 15 days to slow the spread and some of that stuff, you know, we followed that. Whereas I think if I had had, uh, had more data, I would have had the ability to say, wait a minute, you know, why would we need to, you know, close a gym for two weeks? I mean, 
mean, these are younger people going to work out. If you're healthy, you're going to end up dealing with the virus better. And so I think that it took me a few weeks, March and into April, to get enough data to say, okay, you know, we're not doing Fauciism. You know, we're going to make sure our state's open. We're going to get the kids back into school, and we'll just focus our protection on elderly people. I mean, everything that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, says here, everything he's saying is entirely reasonable. <laughs> Every, everything he's, he's talking about here, you'd say, yeah. H- how is that not what every other governor thought? I'm going to look at the data, look at the risk factors, and make the term. No, no, he, he, I love that he calls it Fauciism, too, because uh, Fauciism is, is awful. You know, I, I wrote that piece yesterday on BuckSaxon.com. Fauci is the, the most destructive bureaucrat in living memory. It's totally true. Fauci is the worst. Doesn't have any anything to point to that shows success. Can, can, can in any way, shape, or form point to actual data that supports that he got wins, so to speak, for us. All he does is say, oh, it could be worse. You know, if you don't do this, it's going to be bad. You're going to die and all this other stuff. Horrible. And I also, so I agree with DeSantis on his whole approach. I agree also that when they first said two weeks, you know, to slow the spread, because I said, okay, two weeks, here we go. We didn't know. But then we knew. And then the public health bureaucrats and the authoritarians saw an opening and figured this is how it's going to be. Here is... DeSantis on the vaccination situation too. play 19. I think the messaging on this has been horrific. The messaging should be get a vaccine because it's good for you to do it. It works. You're not going to have to be uh, doing anything like abnormal. You can live your life. I mean, that has got to be what the message is. Unfortunately, I think the message has been very muddled when you tell people, oh, yeah, yeah, this is important. Go get the vaccine. But then you still got a social day. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't eat in a restaurant. Some of the people are still saying that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's a huge, huge blunder uh, to be able to do it. So the challenge for us is going to be we're going to have vaccine available and you're not going to be able uh, to probably fill up the appointments. And, and I think that that's going to be consistent throughout throughout the country. Um, so you know, my view is, is you know, if, you, if you get a vaccine, the vaccines are effective, you're immune. And so act immune. Uh, if you tell people the opposite, then, gee, you know, why? If it's not effective for them and it's not going to change anything, then what's the point of going through it? Fewer people are vaccinated or getting vaccinated because of Fauci's doomsday rhetoric and intransigence. Don't ever forget that. Our friend Pedro Gonzalez from American Greatness is back in the mix with a story that you might have heard reported on, but not the full the full story and certainly not all the facts and the truth. He brings it to us now. Pedro Gonzalez. Great to have you back, Pedro. Tell me this tale of a a military man thrown under the bus by the media. What's going on here? Good to be here, Buck. So this story is about a man named Jonathan Petland, who is in the U.S. Army. He's a sergeant first class. And if you've been following it at all, there's this viral video that's going around where you only get a glimpse of what happened. And basically, if you just watch the video, it's uh, Petland, who is a, a big guy. He's a drill sergeant confronting a much smaller black man in his neighborhood 
telling him repeatedly to get out, get out. He says, you're aggressive in the neighborhood. You're making people here uncomfortable. You're, you're picking fights with women, stuff like that. So there's a lot of background that you're missing. But if you watch the video, it just looks like that. Wait, can I just tell man. everybody real quick? Because I want to the way that this is reported on on April 14th. So a week ago in The Washington Post was a white non-commissioned army offer, officer depicted right. in a viral video accosting and shoving a black man in a South Carolina neighborhood has been charged with third degree assault. That was that was the top line of the Washington Post story. Right. Now, keep going. And that is how that that's basically the story. As far as the media is concerned, there's nothing else. And the the Richland County Sheriff's Department, uh, Sheriff Lott, Leon Lott, he has completely blown up Petland like he, he's made it seem as if Petland's a monster. Uh, he said that, that Petland will receive no special treatment despite, you know, kind of making it a point. Uh, he's white. He's in the military, but that won't matter. The army has like just completely condemned him his own division uh, or a division that he served with has has called him uh, said that he's like beholden to a quote extremist ideology like it's just insane right but here's what you're not getting from this this little viral video and from the headlines the guy that petland confronted in that video this is in the washington post incredibly the washington post is one of the only places that reported about this the the, the smaller black man in that video confronted by petland has been accused uh, by two different people of two different really disturbing things. In one case, uh, he put his hand down a woman's shorts and then put, uh, like, after she, you know, didn't obviously want, didn't want anything to do with that, he put his arm around uh, her her waist as her pants were partly down. That is, that's a police report. And on April 10th, there's another report that alleges that he uh, picked up someone's baby without their permission and tried to walk away. So in other words, this guy had been coming back to this community harassing different people and the police didn't do their job. If this guy would not have been walking around after these two police reports filed against him, then Petland would not have been called on because that is what the police actually said and what witnesses said. That's that someone asked Petland to, to, you know, hey, this guy's back. Can you do something about it? And so he goes out there and does the job that the police should have been doing in the first place. And for that, his life is ruined. Protesters surrounded his house, uh, threw objects at his house. They smashed the window. They they broke some stuff inside the house. And and Petland had to, his family had to be evacuated from the home. And 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 again, the as far as the army is concerned, that Petland gave his life to. And as drill, the irony is that as a drill sergeant, he trained people of all different backgrounds, right, all different races and stuff. The the army and law enforcement have completely thrown him under the bus, and. Like, I think that is that is actually the story here, that the, the military and law enforcement bureaucracy, with the help of the mob, drove a guy that gave his life to the military out of his own home because he was protecting his community. This is what The Washington Post reported at the end of their their piece on this. Uh, uh, they, they wrote Senator State Senator Mia McLeod, who represents the area where this incident occurred, said on the Senate floor she had spent much of the previous day in discussions about the incident with Pentland and planned to meet with the sheriff later in the day. My sons have a freaking right to live, McLeod said, who is black. Another unarmed black man could be dead today because he was walking in a neighborhood that I am told is adjacent to his doing absolutely nothing. End quote. Gee, that that doesn't seem like the whole story there, Pedro. Right. right. Yeah. And, and again, incredibly, the, the post 
they they reported on the two incidents, one on April 8th and one on April 10th, the hand down the pants and then what sounds like attempted kidnapping, right? Literally taking a baby without someone's permission. The Post reports that, but they bury it towards the end of the story. Uh, but no one really seems to care about that. And the funny thing is that Sheriff Leon Lott actually acknowledged it in a really kind of opaque way. He said that there are some things that happened before this, but they don't justify what Petman did. So in other words, it's actually it's actually worse to confront someone who's been twice accused of, of these things. It's worse to do that than to actually put your hand down a woman's pants or try to take someone's baby. That is what Sheriff Leon Lott is saying. We're speaking to Pedro. We're, go ahead, Pedro. No, that's it. I think I, I really don't think that point can be emphasized enough. We're speaking it, to Pedro Gonzalez, who's a senior writer at American Greatness. Pedro, I'm, I'm glad you're taking up this story because I've had one or two people, you know, send me uh, a note about it, ask me questions about it. And I hadn't dug into the story yet at all. So now now I'm up to speed on it, thanks to, to the work you're doing on it. And, and I hope you stay on this, because as we see it, it they'll ruin someone's life and they'll ruin someone's life who didn't even do anything wrong. I mean, never mind right. just whether somebody should have. I, mean, I, I think the notion of protesters showing up outside someone's home and terrifying their family is, is awful to begin with. But but that this guy may have just been doing something that, that a, a lot of individuals in his position told what he was told that this guy is. You know, had sexually assaulted somebody or had, you, know, you said attempted kidnapping. I mean, those seem like the kind of, of charges that would get anybody uh, on edge and, and wanting to confront somebody who was who was in their neighborhood. So th- there's that story. And I'm glad you're bringing that to our attention. I also just want to know, you know, as the as the country is on this very uh, it, it feels like in this very tense moment because of the Chauvin trial and the, and the death of George Floyd. I have to tell you, I, I don't feel like the Republican Party is really um, is really speaking with any force or clarity on these issues. I mean, there are a few exceptions. Ron DeSantis in Florida with his signing an anti-riot bill to make sure everyone knows you riot in Florida, you're going to get in real trouble. But in general, it feels like we're, there's just a, a GOP paralysis right now. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's that's totally right. I think there's a real fear on the side of Republicans, and there has been for a long time, I think even after Trump you saw this, there, there's a real fear of standing up to uh, the mob, which I, I think it's it's fairly characterized as a mob. We're talking about cities being burnt down because a verdict doesn't go the way uh, people want it to go. Or in the case of Petland, you know, a, a one-minute viral video results in someone being chased out of their home. Like we're in an era of what I think is accurately called high tech lynchings that really quickly things can go from fine to whoops, your city block is now on fire. And you would think that in any normal industrialized advanced country, there would be a kind of full throated response and condemnation of this. But there's actually nothing the Republican Party will equivocate. They'll talk about, you know, law and order. But what do they actually do? And of course, I think everyone remembers Mike Braun, I believe, a Republican senator who kind of committed suicide by going on Tucker Carlson's show and saying that he supports Black Lives Matter in, in the middle of rioting. And so that that is your GOP, this kind of like unserious, uh, you know, we're going to pay lip service to law and order. But what are we actually going to do about it? Well, don't ask, because we don't really want to tackle this issue. 
And like you said, Ron DeSantis is one of the only people that I've seen that's taken up this issue and done something serious about it. And I think that he kind of his his way is kind of the model of this. But I think we're also starting to see the like the shadings of a much bigger problem. And it's an institutional one. So what happens if you have guys like Ron DeSantis who sign these these laws that allow uh, business owners to protect themselves? But what happens when your local sheriff or your police chief are actually more or less on the side of the rioters? I think this this puts conservatives, Republicans, in a really uh, awkward position because they see themselves, rightly so, as the law and order party, the pro-cop party. Um, but what happens when like the cops aren't on your side? Or at least I should say like the leaders, because I think at a certain point, the leaders of these organizations become just like bureaucrats. Well, that, that's what happened. And we're speaking to Pedro Gonzalez of American Greatness for everybody listening. Pedro, that's what happened uh, in in June of last year here in New York City. De Blasio is basically, uh, you know, the, the orders for the NYPD, uh, whether official or unofficial, really, were, well, we're going to get overwhelmed. So don't don't try to don't crack down too much on the protesters. It was it was effectively whatever whatever de Blasio wants to say about the official orders. It was a let the rioters blow off some steam by destroying stores and businesses all over Fifth Avenue and all over Midtown Manhattan. You know, let let them let them not blow off some of that steam. It, it was it was embarrassing to live here. I mean, it was embarrassing. It happened in my neighborhood. I, there were stores on my block, shattered windows, broken glass everywhere, just smashed trash stuff all over the place. And, you know, there were like a handful of arrests, maybe. I could have I, I, I heard the sirens going. I heard the destruction happening. Wouldn't be hard to find the mobs that are looting all this stuff. But the, the Democrat mentality seems to be, you know, sometimes people got to break stuff. Right. Yeah. And a lot of those people were actually released. I recall reading reports about how a lot of the people that were involved in rioting and looting in New York were subsequently let out or, and, or they were given like a, a slap on the wrist, which is another way of saying that uh, no one was punished. For, for rioting and looting. And, uh, and I think this also came on the back of a cash bail law in New York that yes, abolished cash bail. Correct. So that yes. basically turned jails into like revolving doors. So you're right. And so in my mind, I would actually like to see legislation that goes beyond allowing people to protect themselves from looters. I, I would actually like to see something about uh, holding, like punishing politicians and elected officials. So whether that's like a, like a law enforcement chief uh, that, that's elected or or like a mayor that in either case um, gives a nod to rioters and looters saying it's OK for you to do this or by negligence allows that to happen like that. That's actually, I think, what we need to do is start holding people in office, not just political office, but also like police chiefs and stuff accountable for allowing this to happen and maybe even also prosecutors. People that use like their discretion to allow people off the hook for rioting and looting, because we're, we're really talking about like structural problems here. It, like the mob is a symptom, actually. The, the people that surround your home and burn your business down, these, this is a symptom. This is happening because of serious structural problems, problems of leadership that we have not really begun to address. Pedro, I, I feel like there's not enough of a of a counter message here from Republicans and and that there's also not enough of, of an honesty about the fact that there are right now there are a lot of people who are 
you know, educated upper middle class professionals living in cities who themselves will say, yeah, you know, I, I think the riots are, are morally justified on some level. It's, it's astonishing to me. I mean, this is a core. These are core basic truths. These are very straightforward propositions. Is rioting bad? Democrats basically say not if BLM does it. Right. Yeah, it's just private property. Who cares? Right. It's just private property that also happens to be someone's way of making a living and feeding their family and paying their bills. No, it's totally insane. And I think that the people that say this are often people who are insulated from the consequences of it. They don't have to worry about it happening to them because, A, it's not happening in their neighborhood, or, B, they make enough money uh, that it's fine. But, I mean, you, I think you recall this video that people like Ann Coulter were uh, sharing on Twitter. It was, a, it was a black woman who was just totally inconsolable, just weeping her eyes out because uh, her, her she couldn't go to work because of the riot. She couldn't go to work, and I think she actually said that her place of work was actually destroyed. And, and she was saying, you know, this isn't going to bring George Floyd back. So obviously she was even sympathetic to at least the messaging of BLM rhetorically, right? Because she was, she kept saying that it's not going to bring him back. But also you've just destroyed my, like my way of earning a living. And so like, what have you accomplished? And she's, it, it, it's almost difficult to understand what you're saying because she, she's crying so much. People like that will never say it's just private property. Because it's it's their way of paying rent. It's their way of buying, like medication, you know. And so I I really think that this totally like disembodied e- elite, and by that I just mean like these are people that usually occupy higher paying jobs and have like high, uh, higher education and live like in that. safe neighborhoods, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, li- uh, they live in they live in uh, in Santa Monica and Park Slope right. and the Upper West Side and yeah. you know Calorama yeah. and Georgetown. I, I know where they live. Yeah. No, it's exactly right. Of course, these people will say things like that because they, they totally are uh, apart from the consequences of of rioting. And it yeah, it's not just the, the whole thing about well, it's mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful rioting caused uh, about two billion dollars worth of damage in 2020 according to Axios, which Axios also notes makes those riots the most destructive on record in U.S. history. Yeah. So mostly peaceful. Uh, that's not what the insurance industry is yeah, saying. Quite a price tag. Pedro Gonzalez, everybody, senior writer at American Greatness. Go to AmericanGreatness.com. Pedro, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, I want to thank my colleagues. Uh, they're still my colleagues. I'm more of a member of Congress and I've been here. And uh, but I'm glad you all came down. We're going to talk about our infrastructure package. And uh, as I indicated uh, earlier, I am prepared to compromise, prepared to see what we can do and what we can get together on. It's a big package, but there's a lot of needs. And so we're going to be talking about, uh, number one, uh, what should be included in the package. Obviously, I put a lot in the package. I think it all should be included. And how to pay for it. Yeah, I'm going to talk about what is in the package. And, you know, there's a package. And I'm going to be paying for the package. And, you know, I'll compromise and maybe I'll take a nap. I cannot believe this guy is president. I I know he is. And that's what we're dealing with now as a country. But you got to be kidding me. 
you know, you, you got to wonder. I mean, what 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 an, an administration run by he won the election, but he's still a loser. And I know people can argue that. So he's the president of the United States. He's the leader of the free world. I mean, it. you know, look what they used to say about Bush. So I can say whatever I want about what a what a loser um, a loser Biden is. And, you know, it's also said, speaking of Bush, here's what he said recently. Play five. Describe the Republican Party as you see it today. Yeah. How would you describe it? Uh, I would describe it as isolationist, protectionist and to a certain extent nativist. Hmm. Yeah. Don't miss that guy at all. Just because that right now, no part of it's like, wow, you know, who we really need to hear from George W. Bush. Can we all be honest about this for a second? Guy was in over his head being president. True story. I think he's I think he was a decent guy. I, I, have, I have nothing. I don't have anything against Bush as, as a man, but he was in over his head, folks. So we, we don't need any more George W. weighing in on things. Rock and roll, fellow patriots. It's time for Roll Call. Producer Mark, what's up, buddy? It's where America gets to hear from our friend, Producer Mark, our our favorite producer, uh, talking about... Your only all producer, Buck. Well, you, that you are definitely the favorite. That's true. You are, you are number one. Uh, you're the number one producer on the Buck Sexton show. I'm my wife's favorite husband by default also. So. Well, you know, we take wins where we can get them, Producer Mark. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's fair. It's fair. Uh, any, any, anything new in your world? Anything on your mind? No, not really. Just uh, nice. ready for the summer. Weather's warming up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good. Are you are you a swim in the ocean guy or just lay out at the beach guy? I just like to lay there and read a book. Nobody talk to me. Oh, Maybe a beer, I, I, I or a seltzer on that. me. Yeah, yeah. Because I go, I like the beach, but I am a, I am what you might call pale, and so I end up trying to. I spend a lot of time. Uh, lathering myself up in sunblock slash trying to get under uh, some kind of umbrella or shade and then read. But I, I do like the the breeze off the ocean and, and I like the sound of the ocean waves and seagulls. But in terms of just sitting out and, and baking in the sun, not really my not really my thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I like a little bit of sun exposure, but mostly under umbrella. Just a cold drink. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the sounds. You know, that's why I don't like when there are other annoying people at the beach. I like a quiet beach. Oh, I know. Well, you probably with me then that I, I don't understand who these people are. Why? Why they just? I don't understand why they say things or why why they do things rather like bring Bluetooth speakers to blast their music at the beach. I don't want to hear their techno remix of Britney Spears. I don't want to hear it. And and they wouldn't do that in a you know they wouldn't do that in a restaurant they wouldn't do that it's it's not allowed on the subway for example you know there are public places where you can't you can't just bring your noise pollution no, noise I don't know I'm I'm feel like I'm fighting a one man war against noise pollution all the time and I'm always losing that's that's what it feels I'm okay like. with somebody lightly respectfully playing music but if somebody comes in with like a boombox that is blasting it at full volume then I would have a problem. Does that make sense? I, mean, I, just, I just feel like, you know, we, 
we have headphones for a reason, folks. You know, it's a great, great invention. We got headphones for a reason. There's, there's no need to be uh, subjecting other people to, to tunes they don't want to hear. All right, all right. Let me, let me get into it now. Uh, the latest here uh, from our wonderful, wonderful listeners. And if you want to send us your thoughts for roll call, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or teambuck at iheartmedia.com. And here's what we got. We got Duke who writes, whoa, Buck. Hey, Mark. You mentioned Robert Service, which pricked my ears. Robert W. Service is a favorite poet of mine. Sadly, not the same writer. I will read Stalin. I've seen the book, but your recommendation seals the deal. P.S. Way back in the 90s, I never missed Limbaugh. It was radio only back then. At some point, it would be the first time you filled in, I recall thinking, who is this guy? Then after further contemplation, I realized that if Russians nerdly thought you were right, I should give you a listen. Turn me on to the blaze. I am awestruck. You have come into your own. Kudos and shields high. Well, Duke, that's very kind of you, man. I, I think, uh, like I said, I think we do a show that's as good as any other show on the air right now. I think it's quite honestly the best conservative talk show on the air, and I'm not not shy about saying that. So uh, please do help us spread the word. Uh, tell other people that we would love to have them join us on Team Buck. All they got to do is listen. It's free. It's easy. You can either find us on one of your local stations or on the iHeart app and on uh, the Apple Podcast app as well as Spotify Podbean, which is another one. I don't know how many of you are on Podbean, but you can. And please subscribe. Don't just play click once. Subscribe to the podcast. Then you'll always have it waiting for you. Anytime you want to listen, the Buck Sexton Show will be there for you. Because, Bruce and Mark, don't you want to listen where everybody knows your name? That kind of made sense. You get what I mean, you know? Yeah, sure. A lot of people know who producer Mark is. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Daniel. Hey, Buck and producer Mark. I love the show. I've been listening since March of last year when everything went into lockdown and I transitioned to working from home. I value your insights and totally get a kick out of the impersonations. I miss Elizabeth Warren and don't hear too much from Hillary nowadays. You're the only one to come up with Bro Cuomo and it totally fits. The montage of the mask debate was was hilarious and, of course, the Fauci. I enjoy hearing producer Mark and laugh a lot with the interactions to the two of you. It seems producer Mark has a lot to offer. I wish we could hear more of him than Justin Roll Call. Keep up the great work. Shields high. Well, I'm just going to say, first of all, Daniel, thank you for the very kind note. I'm just going to say I've told producer Mark that if there's any critical uh, sports fan stories out there, he can always bring those to us and we'll, we'll, we'll call it the penalty box and he lets us know what's going on. So with that in mind, you know, did uh, did a Rod just sign a five billion dollar you know ten year contract or something? What's going on? Uh, well, a Rod's been retired from being a player for quite some time now, Buck. Maybe a decade. I don't know the well, exact year off the top of my head, but it's been a long maybe time. Maybe he wants to make a comeback. That's he, not the point. He did. What's just going on? Buy the Minnesota Timberwolves. Did he really? He did. Him and another investor are. They, he failed at buying the Mets. Thank goodness. Ugh, I can only imagine what would have happened if him and J-Lo bought the Mets and then broke up. Probably would have been my worst nightmare. Uh, and now he's buying the Timberwolves. Yeah. Mm. Have the, the Timberwolves as a basketball franchise, haven't heard much about them in a while. They've probably had a rough yeah. time, I'm assuming. Uh, they haven't been very good since uh, the Kevin Garnett era. I'm right. sure you remember that. That's when yeah, you're still watching basketball. Yeah, Yeah. I, I know. I, I'm, I'm really so out of the loop on professional sports. These days. I, I have absolutely no idea what's going on, so... So we had the, the purchase of the Timberwolves. 
anything with the spring season? Are the baseball players swinging the bats particularly well? Uh, the Mets are uh, in first place in the NL East, and the Yankees are terrible. Uh, nothing could be more make me more happy. So this is good in the world, then. You're telling this is the good. This is a good in, place in my world. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not sure about the rest of the country. Yeah, I still, I still picture when when they open more games, we'll go to a Mets game just so I can come back and report on on one what it's like to see producer Mark smiling ear to ear when he's actually watching a Mets game, and two. I just picture that with Steve Cohen now owning the Mets, I really just want to go for the food yeah. <laughs> in the stadium. I, I feel I like mean, it's probably going to be very good. I'll give the old owners credit. The food was good back then, too. But, yes, uh, the, the baseball is more fun now that Steve Cohen owns the team. Because they're very good. Don't fun. you? Isn't that the, one of the most expensive players they just signed him, right? Yes, Francisco Lindor, and uh, they also have a, a great pitching. So they have Jacob deGrom, who is uh, easily the best pitcher in baseball. He is a lot of fun to watch. Well, there you go. See, little 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 trip in the penalty box with producer Mark and Daniel. If, if you ask for Elizabeth Warren, you'll get some Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, Daniel, she'll she'll come over and oh go, oh she'll tell you about. We're gonna have to raise your taxes, but we also might have to raise the heat in here, Daniel. Things are getting a little, ooh, getting a little spicy. She Let's she's go. been busy watching the new show from The Rock. Oh oh, The Rock. He's just a big rock of man meat. So, so, ooh, ooh, delightful. Oh, gosh. Does Moink sell the rock in Elizabeth <laughs> Warren's world? Uh, you know, he's a, uh, the rock is a very, he's a very buff fellow. Apparently eats a lot of cod from what I understand. So, which. Have you seen it, the videos of like his cheat meals? No. They are insane. Just Google it one day. Like, he'll eat, like, 25 chocolate chip cookies or, like, something crazy just because he never eats that stuff and he's huge. So occasionally he just eats a lot of it. Oh, man, that would be fun. I got to get to that point. I get to the point where I'm super big and jacked and have really low body fat. And then once in a while, my system is completely okay with me just... What would be... Like, give me a sense of the producer, Mark... Cheat like I mean, real, no holds barred except that obviously you can only fit a gallon of of total food really in your stomach. I mean, it stretches to about what would what would hold a gallon, and beyond that, you know, you're starting to get really crazy. But so if if you were if you were going max calories, uh, what what sort of the stuff that you would just put away? Oh, you know, I'm disgusted even thinking of it. But like maybe some ice cream, definitely some hot fudge. You know, just any cool toppings. You go sweet because I, yeah. I'd probably go savory. I mean, I'm thinking about like some kind of a, a a a steak sandwich situation with bernese sauce and you know ribeye meat and and sautéed onions and then and then I'd throw some sweet I'd throw some sweets in there. But it's funny because I talk about what my cheat meal would be. I'd be like, also what I had like last weekend. <laughs> yeah. So that's why know. I said sweets because it's out of the ordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, the Snow Princess makes the best chocolate chip cookies I've ever had. I think I've told you about this before. And the, the bad thing is that she makes the cookies, um, and they're so delicious. But then I just will find whatever batter is left over. And I've convinced myself that eating cookie dough batter, like, doesn't count. You know, that's just leftover. So I'll be there with just my, I just take my hand going in the cookie dough, just scooping it out with my fingers but that's not like actually eating cookies, although, of course, calorically, it is exactly that. So uh, There's nothing better than cookie dough, Buck. And they have the edible kind now, which is just amazing. I hope they make a gluten-free version for you. 
Oh, no, they do. They do. There's I'm a sure. gluten-free cookie. It's actually one of my weaknesses. There's a gluten-free cookie dough that I eat sometimes. But I, I try to keep it out of my fridge these days because um, I will eat a, I'll eat a little bit of it and then a little more. And then I'll just go in there and just tear into it like, like, a, like a velociraptor chasing one of the, the slower guys in Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just, just get right into it. So I like the noise. Thanks. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Larry. Hey, Buck. Love your analysis of Jim Jordan's takedown of Dr. Fauci. You mentioned that Congressman Jordan was a state champion wrestler. Let's, uh, let's give credit where it is due. Jim Jordan was a four-time Ohio high school state champion and a two-time national champion from the University of Wisconsin. He also lost a semifinal match and just missed a spot on the 1988 U.S. Olympic team. You're right, Buck. You see those cauliflower ears just walk away. Love your show. Keep fighting the good fight. Shields high. Larry. Thanks, Larry. And look, it's totally true. You know, wrestlers, I, I'm just going to say this. Wrestlers in high school and college, because they got rid of, because of Title IX, a lot of college athletics programs got rid of uh, wrestling because there's no female wrestling. Uh, well, I mean, there is, but that's a whole different sport. And Anyway, um, but there's there's no college wrestling for guys in a lot of places. And so, you know, wrestlers don't always get the respect that they deserve. I'm not talking about the W, uh, well, not the WWF. What is it now? W, WWE. WWE. Yes. Not the WWE wrestlers. A whole different thing. Uh, collegiate wrestlers don't always get that much respect. You, you do not want to pick a fight with them, I would say. Th- these are people who basically work out and, and, and uh, you know, try to throw other human beings around all day. And will wear trash bags and run on treadmills to lose, you know, a fifth of a pound or whatever in time for the big match. Like they have discipline, high pain tolerance, an understanding of grappling. It's not good. So yes, you, you, you don't ever want to fight. Well, it's true of MMA people too, uh, but that's obvious. You don't ever want to mess with somebody with cauliflower ears. It's just a big. It's a big neon sign in the bar or at the frat party or whatever. This is not something, you know, just walk away. You don't want to get into it with this person. It's going to be a nightmare. So, Larry, I agree with you. And uh, thanks for updating me. I, I didn't actually know that Jim Jordan was was that elite of a wrestler. But uh, it was fun watching him body slam Fauci. That much is for sure. Continuing on with Roll Call. And remember, if you want to be a part of it, go to Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. We have Michael. He writes, seems silly to address these to Buck anymore. Producer Mark. Can you ask Buck to try harder not to call the left libs? I'm a lib and have very little in common with these statist left-wing nutjobs. Thanks. Go Penguins. Well, let's take these in reverse order. First of all, the Penguins are the hockey team, right? That is correct, yes. Do we like the Penguins, producer Mark? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan because they are rivals with the Rangers, but I respect uh, the excellence they've had since Sidney Crosby entered the league. Okay, gotcha. So they're, so they're they're a good, they're they're a solid team in terms of skill level. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think of the penguin. Wasn't Mario Lemieux a penguin? I'm stunned right now that you that mentioned I knew that, that name. Like, I, I couldn't think you would name a hockey player other than Wayne Gretzky, to be honest. Yeah, well, no, I, I know Mario Lemieux because I used to play video games. Ah, uh, that makes sense. And there was a Mario Lemieux like uh, era where he was the best player on the hockey. Yes, he's arguably the second best player of all time. His numbers don't match up because he missed some time. He had a cancer diagnosis, but. Uh, in his prime, he was one of the best. And he was a penguin, right? Yes. See, producer Mark, I always surprise you, buddy. You know what I mean? You, you, don't, do. you don't know what's you, do. you, you don't know what's rattling around upstairs here. You know what I'm saying? 
You have a lot of lost knowledge in that big head that you don't even know that you know until Yeah, you no, know it just it. comes out sometimes. But I also remember the video game. Some of the listeners will remember this, too, on Nintendo. Blades of Steel, which was a great game back in the day because of the best part of it was there's a hockey game where there was a lot of fighting. So, and you actually got to do the fight, which was just a game changer, right? Yeah. So you're playing hockey, it's fun. Then you actually get to get into a fight and punch the guy. And yeah. this is back when they really used to punch each other. Yeah, they had games a little later than that called like NHL Hits, where it was just completely ridiculous, just a lot of checking and a lot of fighting. Not anything you'd see in real NHL, but very entertaining to play. I remember I had a friend on the women's hockey team at Amherst College, and she asked me, um, you know, she was she was somewhat uh, dainty and feminine, and she uh, I was of course a a good a good fellow. She asked me to come watch her ice hockey game, and women's ice hockey. Um, it was not the spectator sport that one would. Uh, it's not not uh, good. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you were watching Division Three women's ice hockey. Yes, yes. I will say that the Olympic uh, U.S. versus Canada games, fantastic for the women's ice hockey, and really? the USA has win. Has won a lot lately, yeah. Well, I I bite my tongue then. Yeah, no, I just saw it at what was a pretty low level, but it was kind of just like, okay, so we're skating in circles and uh, slapping and missing at a puck, you know? So yeah, that was, I mean, was, uh, sports at that level, men or women are going to be bad, so. Not not that good. So, I, I, te- I tend to agree with you. But anyway, yeah, I, I can't really sk- – I took a couple of uh, – uh, skating lessons, so I could. I believe it or not, I played. I think I played ice hockey three times in the first grade, and I think I told you this. True story. Not trying to be funny. I couldn't keep playing because the helmets were so. The helmet was so tight on my head that it, and it was like rental equipment, and I had a terrible headache, <laughs> so I couldn't play hockey because my head was literally too big. That's hilarious. Yep. That's that, that's that's a good note to end the show on today, folks. Please subscribe to the Buck Sexton podcast. Pass it to a friend. Pass the buck. We'll be back tomorrow. Shields high.